And the word of God reads as follows. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre. And he did day by day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall, but David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of, of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood fearful and he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. Then Saul said to David, here is my elder daughter, Mirab. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. And Saul thought, let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. And David said to Saul, who am I and who are my relatives, my father's clan in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? But at that time, when Mirab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, she was given to Adriel, the Maholathite, for a wife. Now Saul's daughter, Michael, loved David, and they told Saul, and this thing pleased him. Saul thought, let me give her to him that she may be a snare for him and the hand of the Philistine may be against him. Therefore, Saul said to David a second time, you should now be my son-in-law. And Saul commanded his servants, speak to David in private and say, behold, the king has delight in you and all his servants love you. Now then become the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke, to those, spoke those words in the ears of David. And David said, does it seem to you a little thing to become the king's son-in-law, since, since I am a poor man and have no reputation? And the servants of Saul told him, Thus and so did David speak. Then Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desires no bride price except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, that he may be avenged of the king's enemy. And Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. Before the time had expired, David arose and went along with his men and killed 200 of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter, Michael, for a wife. But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the commanders of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. I'm sure many of you have been on a, on a, a road trip before. You can recall back to your childhood days where you've 
taking, taking a long trip, and some of you have children, and, and you know the feeling as well when you take a long trip. Inevitably, the question will be asked, when are we going to get there, or are we there yet? That, that seems to be the question, and if you're like me, your patience oftentimes runs uh, you know, dry, and you, you ask and you answer, you say, well, we're just going to get there when we're going to get there, you know? Stop asking, when are we going to get there? And uh, there have been times where this has happened, and my, my daughter, is, is she's, she, she says, are we, she relates and says, are we ever going to get there? <laughs> you read the life of David and you recall him being anointed as king in Jesse's house and you read these accounts and you may be tempted to think that David is asking the question are we ever going to get there unbelief unbelief is often rooted in a lack of understanding the character and the nature of God We often fail to comprehend how God has revealed himself to us in Scripture and what that means for God to be, what it means for God to be faithful. Unfortunately, we tend to think about God's faithfulness apart from his sovereignty, apart from his power. But the two can never be divorced. You see, the confidence that we have in God's faithfulness is rooted in his sovereignty. It is the only thing that gives us hope regarding the promises of God, especially in a world full of sin and brokenness and seemingly insurmountable odds. You remember that, that Samuel, as we've just mentioned, has been had anointed David to be the next king over Israel, but that had yet to come to fruition. Saul was still king, and David was still tending to sheep, to his father's sheep on the hillside. But things, however, seemed to be on the up and up. Things seemed to be falling into place. David had been summoned to the king's palace by some of Saul's servants, to play an instrument for the king. David worshiped God with the gifts that he was given and it helped to soothe the tormented soul of the king. Where once David was on the hillside tending to sheep, now he was just feet away in the palace of the king. The fact remained, David was was still not king. He played for the king. And sure, he was in the king's palace, but he was simply simply a servant for the king. But then another opportunity comes to David in in the least expected situation, in the least expected way. David is seeking to serve his brothers on the battlefield, and in one minute he is there thrust to the front lines of the battle, there to fight against the uncircumcised Philistines as a representative for the nation. He seeking to put an end to the mocking of God's people and of God himself, David enters into battle with Goliath. But 
But you notice when we, when we talked about David and Goliath, David did not go in his own strength. He went, he fights Goliath in the name of the Lord of hosts. And with, with one small stone that, that one preacher says that was sovereignly guided through the air by the hand of God, David defeats Goliath. And we learn in, Psalm, in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 19 that this was a great salvation that God worked for the people of God. Certainly, certainly if there was any time to make David king, it would be here and now. Now would be the time. He had just demonstrated the heart and the character of a king. He represented the people of God and defeated their enemies while Saul, who is the current reigning king, was off in the background cowering in Fear. Here, here it would seem would be the perfect time to anoint, to to place the crown upon David's head as king. But God's ways are not our ways. This This is not a time where we begin to exercise unbelief. We simply remember that God is faithful to his promises. And though it may not seem In our time, we understand that God's timing is always right. His timing is always best. God's purposes and plans are always better than our purposes and plans. Here's the thing, though David was not sitting on the throne He certainly, in his triumph over Goliath, showed and demonstrated the heart of a king. And the people around him began to take notice of David. Now, you you must understand, they, they were not in Jesse's house. When Samuel anointed David king, they had no idea that David would be the future king of Israel. But they saw and they recognized the the character and the heart of a king in David. David. David demonstrated that he was a king long before he was given the title king. This should be a reminder to us that when God places a call on your life, perhaps into the ministry, perhaps you have sensed a call to be a pastor and to proclaim the word of God before people. This should be a reminder to us that we, not, we don't need to manipulate things. We don't need to be in a rush to get a title We need to first understand that 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 call will be manifested as God uses you before you even have that title. Secondly, this is so important. This is so important. If God has called you, others, others will begin to recognize that calling as well. Oh, brothers and sisters, there is no need to manipulate. There is no need to rush. 
God knows what he's doing. His timing is always best. His timing is always perfect. This is how he moved, and this is what happened to David. The people, the people took notice of David because he showed a shepherd's heart. He showed that he could fight for the nation. He showed the heart of a king, and the people took notice, but Saul took notice as well. When they are returning from the slaying of Goliath, there, there was... There was great rejoicing in the streets. There was singing and there was dancing. The Bible tells us that there was tambourines playing. And we, we're familiar with this. We know this. You remember the, the parade that they had when the Giants won the Super Bowl this year? You remember that parade? They were dancing and singing in the streets. We, we're familiar with this. <laughs> they made up songs. They made up songs as they often do. Similar to the song that, that, Moses, that Moses led the people in, rejoicing as they crossed through the Red Sea. God had worked a great salvation for the people. They rejoiced there on the banks of the river there. They rejoice because God had worked a great salvation. And so here they are rejoicing because the, the nation had been saved from the hands of Goliath and the Philistines. And as they saw Saul and David entering in, they, they sang a song, and this is the song that they sang. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And in the midst of this rejoicing, unbeknownst to David, Saul takes Notice of him. Saul sees in David the, the character of a king. He sees how the people have responded to David. And instead of rejoicing that David is now in his army and is fighting on behalf of the people, Saul takes notice of David and gets jealous. Jealousy enters into his heart. Saul begins to again, once again, show his true colors. Saul cares nothing, if if anything, about Israel. He has little or no regard for the things of God. Saul is simply consumed with Saul. He wants to know what other people are thinking about him. It's all about Saul. And so he hears the song that the women are singing, and, and, and he says, wait a minute, did I, did I just hear what I just heard? Did they, did they say that I have killed thousands and, and David has killed ten thousands? Don't they know that I am the king? Seems, it's almost as, it almost seems so, so petty. Seems like something that, that children would say. He got a bigger piece than I did. Oh, but how quickly jealousy kicks in. And we revert to what, sometimes, what seems like childish behavior. Why did they get recognized? Don't they know what I do? Everyone is always talking to them. They're always talking to her or to him. How come nobody talks to me? 
boy, look at this house. It's so much nicer than mine. Their kids are so well-behaved. I wish mine were as well-behaved like that. Brothers and sisters, jealousy is so subtle. It's so subtle. It, 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 it creeps in. Creeps in quickly. It seems like it's so, it's so simple and petty, but it seeps in. It can be sneaky. And here, jealousy sneaks into Saul's heart, and he fell prey to it. This jealousy that Saul had over this song that the people of God recognize uh, David more than Saul. It's, it's, it snuck in, and all of a sudden, it gave way to Anger. And from that day forward, Saul took notice and saw how David was loved. He saw how he had fought for, fought for the people against Goliath. He knew that David was a skilled musician. And so he looked at David with jealousy in his heart and he thought, This man is a threat to my throne. And I must take him out. And then the Bible tells us. That for a second time, for a second time in the life of Saul, that a, a harmful or an evil spirit rushed from the Lord, rushed upon him. Now, we remember when this happened the first time in, 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 in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when this evil spirit from the Lord rushed upon Saul, it says, it says that the, the Bible actually says that the spirit of the Lord departed Saul and a harmful spirit rushed upon him and it tormented him. We were reminded then that everything comes from the hand of God, that Satan doesn't have leave unless it comes from God. And so the same is true here. This evil spirit was from the Lord. But you remember in chapter 16, God was indeed gracious to him. And he sent uh, David to him to play the lyre, to play for Saul. And it, and it soothed Saul. It says, says in verse 23 of chapter 16 that due to David's playing, Saul was refreshed. And the evil spirit, the evil spirit left him. Left him. Oh, but brothers and sisters. There, did you notice something? Please don't miss it. Don't miss it. The Bible tells us that the evil spirit did indeed leave Saul, but it never says that the spirit of the Lord returned to Saul. It never says that the spirit of the Lord re returned to Saul. And like we learned when we were studying 1 Samuel 16, Matthew, Jesus in Matthew 12 and 43 and 45 says that is a dangerous place to be. Here's what it says. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept and put in order. Sounds like refreshed, doesn't it? Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also it will be with this evil generation. 
Saul here never had the spirit of the Lord returned. He is an empty vessel and the spirit of the Lord comes back upon him. And it is greater than the first spirit that came and rushed upon him. Saul was an open vessel susceptible to the evil schemes and the whims of the evil one. Because he was an open vessel, it appears, it appears just as Jesus said that this, that the torment would be greater than the first one. It would be greater the second time around. And we see this, this is clear in our text this morning, it's clear that it was worse. We see that in a couple of ways. We, we see it first because Saul seeks to, to attack David in the midst of David playing the lyre. That was the remedy at first that helped to soothe the soul of David. But now the remedy that God had provided is no longer working. We also see, we also see that it was worse because Saul's disposition towards David changed. Saul at first had once loved David. He put him in his army and had him in his palace. But now, but now his desire, his desire is to kill David. Oh, brothers and sisters, these emotions that that, that Saul demonstrates here in 1 Samuel chapter 18, oh, they were clearly footholds for the devil to gain a hold of, to grab hold of. Think about it, jealousy. Jealousy, Galatians 5 and 26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers and sisters, jealousy and envy are there. They are footholds from which the devil can grab a hold of and send you down into a slippery slope. We should be repenting of the jealousy that we see in our hearts. How about the anger of Saul? Saul was indeed angry at David. And Ephesians 4, 26 and 17 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. But also fear. We see Saul being fearful. And in Proverbs 29 and 25, the Bible says the fear of man lays a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Oh, we can say so much about, about the danger that, is the, are, that are these various emotions. The, the Pandora's box that is jealousy, anger, and fear. We, we let it seep into our hearts and all of a sudden we are slipping down a slope towards destruction. This is why God tells us to not co- covet anything. Do not covet do not let the sun go down on your angry. To, to, be, to, to, to be angry and to sin not. This is, these, are the, these are the things that God tells us not to do because he understands and he knows the danger of them. Saul lets anger and jealousy and fear fester in his heart and it 
as we, as we will go through the rest of 1 Samuel, we will see that it continues to take him down a place of destruction. David was now seeking to, uh, Saul was seeking to now get rid of David. And so while David is there playing the the lyre, serving Saul, seeking to relieve him from this tormented spirit that is upon him, Saul takes a spear and he hurls it at David. Not once, but twice. Saul was clearly demonstrating that he was being run by an evil spirit. No longer was the evil spirit just tormenting Saul, but Saul was taking that torment and he was, it was infected and, and affecting others around him as well. He was out to get rid of David. It's evident. It's all through our text. And after two unsuccessful attempts, uh, Saul is determined to end the possibility. He, he wanted no, no way that he wanted to end the possibility of, of, of David taking his throne. And so Saul begins to scheme and to, to make plans on, in which he could take David out. His first plan, his first plan is to make David commander over the army and send him off to war. He figures that that although David was able to defeat Goliath, that if he goes up against the Philistines time after time, eventually David is going to lose and that he's going to fall at the hands of the Philistines, hoping that he would lose his life on the battlefield. But David has success on the battlefield. And it doesn't happen. It, it doesn't work. Saul has a, but Saul has another plan. He's determined now. The jealousy and the anger and the fear continuing to build, and he is determined that he is going to take Saul up, David out. And so he tells, he tells David that he is going to give him his oldest daughter, Merab, to him as a wife. David once again shows the, the heart of a king, and, and he is humbled by it. He's saying, who am I that I could be considered the son-in-law to a king? But, then, but, before, but before Saul could give, but before David could marry Michael, Saul gives Merab to someone else. Saul's plan isn't through. Saul, Saul has another daughter whom the Bible tells us loved David, Michael. He, he, he says, I am going to, David, I am going to give you Michael as a wife. But, but before I'm going to give Michael to you, I require of you a dowry. So Saul says that in order for David to marry Michael, he is going to have to bring Saul the foreskin of a hundred Philistine men. Now understand, brothers and sisters, 
When Saul gives this request, I I think this this request should tell us that Saul had no intention of giving Michael to David for a wife. Saul thought to himself that that David, in seeking to fulfill this request, to seek to fulfill this dowry, would indeed lose his life on the battlefield to the Philistines. This was, would have been an enormous feat. Yes, you would have needed a, yes, we needed a good warrior. David was a good warrior. Oh, brothers and sisters, but to perform this request, oh, it would have been nearly impossible. Saul, Saul, through this request, was finally, was finally going to put an end to David, right? No. The Bible tells us that instead of returning from the battlefield with a hundred foreskins, David returns from the battlefield with 200 foreskins. Saul has no choice but to give Michael to David. And the Bible tells us that Saul was even more afraid of David and was his enemy continually. Three times, three times in this chapter, Saul seeks to take David out. He is jealous of David, angry and fearful. Perhaps, perhaps you're thinking and you, you understand how Saul could be jealous of David. Oh, the, how, how, how David defeated Goliath and, and how the people loved David. You could, you could probably even understand uh, the anger of Saul. That he was angry because he wanted that, because uh, uh, David was taking the, 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 the adoration that he felt like he deserved. But perhaps you just can't pinpoint why Saul would be afraid of David. Why would Saul be afraid of David? I mean, there in the palace... As David is playing the lyre, I mean, Saul, who is an expert uh, warrior, who is a fighter, who is a skilled, who's skilled in battle, takes the, the, the spear and he hurls it at David once. And if you, I mean, if you're like me, you're thinking, and David stuck around to get a, a spear thrown at him a second time? I mean, I'm getting out of there the first time I see a spear come in my way. Right? This is, I mean, this is, I need, I need hazard pay. This is a dangerous work environment. If anybody should be scared, it would be David. The Bible says that Saul is fearful of David. David is faithful. David is faithful and, and, and has success in eluding Saul but not only in eluding Saul's spears in the palace, he has success in all that he puts his hands to. In, in battle against the, the Philistines, fulfilling the dowry requirement twofold. Oh, but brothers and sisters, we, we must remember Yes, David found success in all his undertakings, but but there was a reason for David's success. There was a reason for his success. 
And it is, it is this reason that was also the reason for Saul's fear. David, David wasn't successful because he was lucky. He, he, didn't, he, he just didn't simply happen to turn out of the way as Saul threw a spear at him just at the right time. He was, yes, he was a good warrior, but that's not what gave him success on the battlefield. Three times in this chapter, the Bible says that the Lord was with David. That is why David has success, and that is also the reason for Saul's fear. He knew that the Lord, Saul knew that the Lord had departed from him and was with David. And Saul had just a little bit of sense to understand and to know that the Lord being with David was something to be fearful of. Oh, the Lord was indeed with David. In verse 12, it says this, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. In verse 14, it says, And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. In verse 28, But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David. Brothers and sisters, I read those verses again. I know we read them at the beginning, but I read those verses again because I want you to take notice of Lord. I want you to take notice of Lord. When the Bible says that the Lord was with David, did you notice that this Lord, that Lord is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D? This is Yahweh. I am that I am. He who created ex nihilo made something out of nothing. This isn't just, there was a a jumbled stuff and he made something. Nothing. He created from nothing. The covenant faithful God. This is who is with David. The one who passed by Moses as he is in the cleft of the rock. And in Exodus 34, he says this, the Lord, the Lord a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. Brothers and sisters, when, when the Bible says that the Lord was with David, this is the covenant, faithful, merciful, gracious, great God who created all things, who separated the Red Sea, who put all the plagues upon Egypt. This is that God who was with David. Oh, brothers and sisters, I don't know if you understand how how huge this is. The Bible says that not only was the Lord with David, but it tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. In Genesis 39 and 23, it says that the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. 
but the Lord was also with Joshua in Joshua 6 and 27. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was in all the land. You remember when we went through the book of Judges. Well, it was, the Lord was with the leaders of, of, of Israel. Judges 2 and 18, whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and he saved them from the hand of the enemies all the days of the judge. He was with Samuel in 1 Samuel 3 and 19. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. He was with Hezekiah in 2 Kings 18 and 7, and the Lord was with him. Whenever he went out, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. The Lord was with all of these men, and the Bible tells us that they had success. Brothers and sisters, when the Bible talks about the Lord being with these men, We need to see that. We need to see that in light of God's character, in light of his nature, in light of his promises. David has success along with all these other men because God's plans are never thwarted. There is no need to ask, are we ever going to get there? There's no need to ask it. The steadfast Faithfulness of God never fails. He keeps his promise. That is why David has success. Listen to what it says in in Genesis 28 and 15. When Jacob is at Bethel and he sees the, 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 the Jacob's ladder. You remember that story? The angels descending and ascending up on the ladder. God tells this to Jacob in Genesis 28 and 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised for you. God says this to Jacob, but he also said it to Abraham, and he said it to Isaac, and he says it to all of those that are his, that he has promised and he keeps it, and he will be with them. When God says that I am with David, it is according to his covenant faithfulness. The promise that he would be with his people. Brothers and sisters, no matter what schemes or plots Saul would seek to employ to get rid of David, they would be no match, no match for the sovereign plan of God. David was going to sit on that throne because the Lord had decreed it so. And David would be the line through which Christ would come into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. Did you hear? Did you hear what I just said? Jesus would come into the world through the line of David, and Isaiah, as well as Matthew, tells us that we would call his name Emmanuel, God. With us, brothers and sisters, there were a whole bunch of names when I was listing the names that the Bible lists uh, that God was with them. There are a whole bunch of names that I left off that list. Brothers and sisters, your name is on that list. Your name. God is with you. 
If you are in Christ Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you richly, God, you can say with confidence that God is with you. And everything that you do, will you will have success in. You will have success because God is with you. Don't run just too fast yet, brothers and sisters. What is success? <laughs> what is what is success? Oh, brothers and sisters, for the Christian, success is being conformed to the image of Christ. That is what success means. That's what the prosperous Christian looks like. They are growing from one degree of glory to the next. It is true, though, brothers and sisters, and we, we, we shouldn't minimize this. It is true that success may manifest itself in material goods. God with us means that the favor of God rests upon his people. And so there may be successful things that we have in this world, be it money, be it a job promotion, whatever. It may, it may manifest itself in that way. Brothers and sisters, but that is not the end game. The end game is our being conformed into the image of Christ. That is success for the Christian, fulfilling that to what we have been called. That we are to be holy. That for the Christian is success. God is with us. The covenant-keeping God, brothers and sisters, is with you. From life, so we could say from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I will stand. Brothers and sisters, God is with us. No power of hell or no scheme of man. Oh, this is what it means for God to be with us. Perhaps you're saying, you think about this idea of success. Perhaps you're saying, are we ever going to get there? Are we ever going to get there? If there was anyone who could say that, it would be, who could ask that question, it would be David. Are we ever going to get there? He remembers the oil running down his face. And he was there playing the, 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 the lyre right in the king's palace, feet away from the kingdom. And now we will see that David is going to be on a run for his life. Is he ever going to get there? Brothers and sisters, we can say yes, because again, David being on the throne was ordained by the sovereign plan of God. And God's plans are never, ever thwarted. David's greater son, David would enter, get onto the throne. David's greater son would come into the world according to the foreordained plan of God. And from Genesis 3 
and on. Satan has been seeking, has been seeking to thwart the plan of God. And all along the the way, the people of God have had success because God has been with them. He has a plan and he is bringing it to fruition. All along the way, people have been asking, when are we going to get there? Are we ever going to get there? But in the fullness of time, Christ came into the world. And Satan's final attempt, Satan's final attempt to thwart the plan of God by him dying on a cross and going into the grave simply bruised his heel. But on the third day, Christ rose from the grave, crushing the head of the serpent putting a nail in the coffin of sin and death. Oh, brothers and sisters, that is the God of the scriptures who is with us. And because he is with us, we will have success. He will bring us home. You will get there. Trust in Christ, brothers and sisters. The question is, is God with you? The only reason to fear, the only reason Saul feared was because he realized that the Lord had departed from him. Brothers and sisters, if Christ is with you, there's no need to fear. There is no need to fear. Turn from your sins. Trust in him. Trust in his finished work. And you can have confidence that God is.